chapter 13. I'm going to go from verses 8 to 14, Lord willing. How many of you guys have been with us through the book of Romans, more or less? Okay, a lot of you. Uh, we we kind of hit a watershed moment in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It looks back. Uh, to chapters 1 through 11, all of the mercies of God that he has continually poured out upon us, that we are justified, just as if I had never sinned. Now, if you don't know Jesus, I can't say that. But if you've given your life to him, if you have a relationship with him, he has taken your sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west. Um, He is continually working in you all things together for your good, even the stuff you don't like. Even the stuff you're not too crazy about. He is working all that together. Um, The Lord is creating uh, in you something closer and closer to Jesus. That the image of Jesus. Uh, That's kind of in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. That was our jumping off spot to the next uh, phase of this book. Which is, look, this is your reasonable response to the mercies of God. uh, Like justification, like all of these things. Here's your reasonable response. Relinquish your body. Give it over to, to God. Say, it, you, you bought it anyway. It's not, it's not mine, Lord. It's yours. Uh, refuse to be conformed to this world and the way that it thinks. And renew your mind so that you can be transformed. Uh, that's where we have been on this transformer kick, right? It's the word metamorphosis. It's in Romans chapter 12. You'll find it if you, if you follow the Greek. It means that we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be continually being more and more changed into the image of God's only begotten son. Okay? Um, here's where we left off. We've made it all the way through chapter 12, and Romans chapter 13, verse 7, was where we left off on Sunday. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. He says, render, therefore, to all their due. Paul talked on Sunday, basically talking to the transformer citizen, the citizen who wants to be uh, a transforming not only in himself, but uh, force in his, uh, in his country, in his town. Paul says, look, the winsome citizen, the transforming citizen, pays his debts. Pays what is right. Paul says, don't let any debt go outstanding. Again, this is by way a little bit of review on Sunday. A Christian should be the best citizen. And he, he told us, look, pay the taxes that you owe. Give fear, that means obedience, to whom you owe fear. Give honor even to dishonorable rulers because God has appointed them. Now, if all of this is new to you, um, if you weren't offended last Sunday, it's probably because you weren't here. Pick up a CD and you can learn from that. Okay, And then hopefully we'll see you again. As we come now to verse 8. Paul continues on the same theme, which is, look, the Christian pays his debts. The transforming Christian pays his debts. Verse 8, owe no one anything. The winsome Christian pays his debts. When you don't pay your debt, think about this. When you don't pay your debts, you are stealing slowly. 
It's kind of hard to witness to people to whom you're stealing from. Application, right off the bat. Are you paying your debts? That would include, what, a credit card company, a mortgage company, car loan company. Is there anyone to whom, if you're honest, yeah, I'm slowly stealing from them because I'm not paying this debt? Again, if I can just kind of twist the knife a little bit here, you're like, great. Um, Would you listen to the gospel from someone who is an unrepentant thief? Now, some of you are thinking, look, at the end of my pay week, there's much more week left than pay. I don't even know where to start when it comes to paying my debts. Maybe you're thinking, look, I don't even think it's possible. Well, right off the bat here, maybe for you, if I'm speaking to you, maybe the most practical transformation that you need to get serious about right away is paying your debt. Remember, metamorphosis is what we're talking about. And please understand, as all things, we're not saying you have to do this so that God will like you. No. This is, like all things, what God is moving us in the direction toward. Remember, metamorphosis, that is transformation, is all about radical, seemingly impossible transformation. If when I say pay your debts, all of a sudden you go into a a nervousness, maybe the first thing, again, we're just talking practical, I would recommend... uh, Crown Financial has some information for you. Um, I would recommend Dave Ramsey, actually. He, uh, he says things in a way that I get, I understand. It's nuts and bolts. Um, if that's good for you, I would recommend it. I'd be interested because if some of you are like, okay, I didn't hear a word you said after paying your debts, um, then I'd be interested in finding out, look, we could, we could look into doing financial peace university thing, right? We'd probably do it on a Thursday, which would probably mean we'd have to uh, back off on this a little bit. There's only so many hours in a week and those kind of things. Uh, but if it's truly, if it's, it's a big number of people that would be benefit, maybe that's what the Lord would have us to do so that we are winsome citizens, so that we're learning how to pay our debts, okay? I'm just saying this is something that um, is important to the Lord as, as all of these things are. Okay, If there's a huge need, it might be worth taking that detour as a church. Otherwise, I just recommend you go for it on your own and, uh, and take your debt serious because uh, your, your creditors do, right? Okay, So the Transformer Christian, verse 8, it says, owes no one anything, but then it says, except... Oh, wait, I'm interested in that. <laughs> wait, it says, except to love one another. Here's what Paul's saying. Look, there is a debt that is never paid off. It's to love one another. The NIV says it this way. Let no, no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Pay all your debts except the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that. I like that. The word love there is agapeo. It's, it's pretty familiar to us. It's kindly affectionate. Uh, dearly beloved. Um, and when it says, interesting, when it says another, to love one another, that word is heteros. And it's, it means another of a different kind. Interesting to me, because this means then the ad- admonition is to love people that are not just like us. That are different. 
than we are. It's easy to love those who are like us. But again, the transforming Christian loves those who are different. Again, some are more different than others. But Paul says, your ongoing debt, no matter how different that person is, is to be kindly affectionate toward that person. He says, owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Fulfilled. It's playroom. To fill to the top, so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure, fill to the brim. To carry a project assignment through to the end to accomplish or to carry out. I'm feeling like maybe I need to back up and make sure you guys understand. Because again, I think some of you are like, he's talked about paying my debt. Look, if if you're working toward paying your debt, you're actually making progress. Okay? Then uh, I'm not out to to bust your chops. But if I'm I'm saying, if you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not paying that and I'm pretty happy with it. Okay? Then that's something you need to look at. Okay. Now, hopefully we can focus on this. Okay? He says, oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. That means play ruin. It's filled uh, to the brim. So what Paul is saying is by loving another, you accomplish, you actually fill up God's law. Remember when we talked about Jesus said, I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it on your behalf. What Jesus has already done is filled the glass for you. Right. He's made you righteous. But what he what Paul is saying here is, look, if you want to fulfill the law as best you can. Right. Uh, It's actually pretty simple. Love your neighbor as yourself says if you do, you will accomplish. You will fill up God's law. Uh, He's he's actually talking about the second tablet of the Ten Commandments. Right. You know, the first tablet was all about our relationship with God. Uh, uh, Do not take the Lord your God's name in vain. It was all about the vertical. The second tablet was all about the horizontal relationships with each other. Okay, And notice what he says here. Verse 9. He says, look, if you'll do this, you don't have to uh, concentrate on all of these other things necessarily. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you're taking an outline tonight, first point in your outline for tonight is the, is the words summed up. Paul is speaking to the transformer and he says, look, the whole law, that is the horizontal part of the law, is summed up in this one easy to remember principle. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, the word summed up, check this out, it's anakaphaleo. Now, it's interesting to me. Why is the word for summed up such a long word? It's the, the, like the age-old question. Why is the word abbreviated such a long word? <laughs> Anakephalio. Uh, Anna means into the midst of. The kephalio uh, means to bring under headings, to sum up, to summarize. And coincidentally, that same word also means, listen to this, to smite or wound in the head, to smite on the cheek. So then, if I understand this right, it means to roll everything into one package that can slap you upside the head. Paul says, look, love your neighbor as yourself. It's a nice, tidy package with a handle on it that can slap you upside the head when you need it. See, remember, Paul is the master of summary, is he not? He did it just at the, last, the end of last chapter, chapter uh, 12. 
after speaking about loving your enemies and all these things, he says, nice, tidy uh, package, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul gets this. He understands what a summary is. A nice, tight principle to cover a lot of possible variant applications. One package, one suitcase, if you will, to carry a whole lot of different truth in that can slap you upside the head. Paul says, look, if you can just remember this one little thing, you will have a good handle on all the rest. Love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, Paul, again, we talked about this on Sunday, stole this concept from who? Jesus. Matthew twenty-two forty. Jesus is grilled on the greatest commandment and he says, look, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, your mind. And what? Love your neighbor and yourself. He says, you got two handles here. Love God, love your neighbor. If you can remember those things, you, you'll be all right. Think about this, how true this is when you begin to just break it down a little bit. If you, guys, if you love your wife, you won't commit adultery. If you love your neighbor, you won't commit adultery with your neighbor's wife. It's pretty basic. If you love your neighbor, you will not murder them. Uh, if you love them, you won't steal from them. You won't lie about them. You won't gossip about them. You won't covet their stuff. So rather than carry around a whole big uh, ungainly list of rules and regulations, Paul says, look, just carry around this. Love your neighbor just like you love yourself. And you do love yourself. You feed yourself. You clothe yourself. I noticed. That's good. Love your neighbor just like you already love yourself. Treat them the way that you would want to be treated. Would you want to be murdered? No. Don't murder. If you blow it, would you like mercy? Show them mercy. Would you want people to gossip about you? Gossip about you? No. Don't gossip. Would you want someone to be ungrateful toward you? Don't be ungrateful. Verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all, it says, summed up in this saying. Namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I love the fact that he uses the word neighbor. Because a neighbor is someone who is right next to you. And they're a real person. Right? So often, it's easy for us to say, oh, I love people. I just really love people. But it's the person that's next to you that you have a problem with. You guys heard that story about the preacher, right? He poured a brand new sidewalk and his neighbor kids put their footprints, their initials in, his, uh, in the concrete, right? He chewed them out royally. Uh, a guy said, hey, didn't you just preach about you know, showing compassion upon your neighbor? And he said, yes, I love them in the abstract, but not in the concrete. <laughs> you get it? Paul uses, the, Paul uses the word neighbor here because it's someone who is right next to you, a real live person. 
Not an abstract person, a real life person. Wherever you go, you have people right next to you. You have neighbors. Matter of fact, right now, turn to your right and say to the person you see over there, Howdy, neighbor. Okay, turn to your left. Say the same thing. Okay. Listen, the person next to you at Publix, at the, the market... The person next to you in school, the person next to you at work, they are all real people. And Paul says, those are the people that you should love, that you should, look, carry around this suitcase, okay? And you see someone, oh, you're a real person. I am going to love you. I'm going to show mercy, kindness, goodness to you. Okay, verse 10. He says, look, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So Paul says to the transformer, look, the law is first summed up in this. Now watch. Next, Paul says, look, it is time to wake up. Verse 11. And do this. Now stop for a second. Do what? Love your neighbor. And love your neighbor knowing that is perceiving, being aware of the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Think about this, this whole second here uh, that we're getting ready to, to understand is like a dad waking up a kid who's late for school. Right? It's like Paul says to us in verse 11 and 12. He's like pulling off the covers, right? flipping on the lights and saying, wake up, wake up. It's later than you think. Verse 11, and do this. Love your neighbor knowing that is being acutely aware of the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Why? For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night, it says, is far spent. The day is at hand. When he says our salvation is nearer, the word is soteria. What's the word means rescue? What's he talking about? Jesus. Paul says, look, our rescuer is nearer than he's ever been. The the dark night is almost over. Maybe that's what some of you need to hear. You came tonight wanting to be encouraged. First thing you hear is pay your debts. I'm telling you, the night is almost over. Your Savior is just around the corner. So do your best to live at peace with all men, to pay your debts, because the dawn of the kingdom of Jesus' rule and reign is just around the corner. The time is coming. We don't know when, but the Bible is very clear that it's imminent. That means it could happen tonight. Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? It could happen tonight. But when it happens, listen... All decisions will be final. Remember that when Jesus roamed the earth, remember he kept saying, he says, I am the light of the world. I must do the works of light while it is still light. He's talking about while he was still on earth. Then he says the night is coming when no man can work. Then he talks about how uh, the devil will have his time during the night, right? He's been gone all of this time. And what does he say to us? Hey, guys. You are the light of the world. Until the sun rises again, you are the light of the world. So, love. Love like there's no tomorrow. Right? Like He is coming back because He is. We must shine now. 
Because we are the light of the world and mourning is just around the corner. That's why we must love our neighbors now. Because our Savior, it says, is nearer than at first. Verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Far spent is prokopto. Listen to this. It means to lengthen out by hammering as a smith forges metals. So think of a blacksmith and he's just beating it out and it gets longer and longer and longer. But eventually you come to where, okay, it's, it's done. Okay, it means to beat forward, to march forward. It's like that great theologian, Steve Miller said, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Paul says, look, this is the final hour of history. Um, You guys know when when you watch a football game, the two-minute gun goes off and, and it's all like, everybody gets real serious. That's what Paul is saying here. There's never been a time in history closer to Jesus' reign than right now. He says, so wake up, get busy, get busy loving your neighbors, get busy being transformed. It's time to get busy being transformed. Uh, No more thinking like this. Uh, Well, I'll start abiding next year. Uh, I'm going to find a prayer partner soon. You know what? I'm going to give up that habit that's killing me or ruining my family. I'm going to put it off for a little while longer. Paul says, no. Get busy transforming. But he says... And we're going to see this by abiding. Again, I want to always remind you when I say get busy, when I say, look, it's time to wake up. I'm not saying you better start working out your salvation. No, get busy about what's important, which is fellowshipping, abiding in Jesus. If if you go on our website, you can find that we put put the, the messages on there. And there's a place now because of our fancy new website thing, that you can put a picture up for each message. And I was telling somebody on Sunday, I'm trying to find a picture uh, that represents transformers. You either get electrical boxes or copyrighted pictures of transformer characters and can't do that. So I went with cocoons and butterflies and got all sorts of grief about it. <clears throat> Girly stuff. But Paul is saying, when you come to these verses, I feel like it's like he's saying, okay, look, we're talking about transformation. You've been in your cocoon long enough. Wake up. It's later than you think. It's time to put some of this theory to the test in your own life. I bet there are some here tonight that intellectually you believe in transformation. And you've even seen transformation in other people. And you believe that God is a transformer. But in me, you've seen it in other people. But it's hard for you to believe that God could completely transform you, yes you, to be completely different. Paul would say to you, wake up. You're in your nice warm cocoon. You've got no immediate expectations. You're just thinking, well, one day I'll be transformed. Paul would say, today's the day. This is the hour. It's later than you think. Not Listen, not for you to work real hard, but just for you to trust him and to, let's say, stretch out your wings and try the impossible. Love real people in real ways. 
even those whom you know that it's impossible to love. And watch the transformation begin to happen. Paul says, look, it's, it's summed up in this. Love your neighbor, and it is high time to wake up. To Then he says, next, to cast off. Notice it says, therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Interesting, he says, casting off and putting on. What's that make you think of? Changing clothes. Casting off, putting on. Paul says to us, look, you've been sleeping long enough. It's time for you to wake up and change clothes. To put on clothes that are appropriate for the daytime that is dawning. Uh, Again, we talked about it on Sunday. You know, if if you're back here tonight, I know that you haven't given up completely. But this is about being winsome. And I think what Paul is saying, look, one of the things you want to do is put on winsome attire. Put on, take off that old uh, cruddy garment that you were wearing that uh, thought like the world when it came to everything, including civil authorities. Put on winsome attire. He says, therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. It says, not in revelry. The word actually, think of frat parties. That's the quickest way to illustrate that word. It's uh, a, a drunken uh, procession from house to house at night. Okay, Not in revelry, and it says, and drunkenness. Now, think about this. Paul is talking in terms of clothes here, right? This is the best way I could think of to say it quickly. It's kind of like to me, Paul is saying, look, maybe your beer-soaked shirt was appropriate when you were a nighttime partier. But it looks gross on you now, Christian. It says, not in lewdness. The word is koite. It literally means bedding. Not in lewdness and lust. So he's talking about all sorts of sexual darkness here. Uh, This would include adultery, homosexuality, fornication, cohabitation, without marriage, pornography, all of those kind of things. Okay, He says, and again, in terms of clothing here, Think about this. Paul is saying, look, when you were dead in your sins, all that stuff was fitting. It, it made sense with who you were. You were an adulterer. You were a, a sodomite, a fornicator, whatever it was. Those clothes fit you because that's who you were. But Paul says, now you are Christian. If I'm speaking to you and you're a Christian, now you are justified just as if you'd never sinned. Paul says those clothes don't fit you anymore. Maybe you thought you looked hot in that Britney Spears outfit when you were in the darkness. Paul would say, Christian, it doesn't look good on you now. It doesn't even look good on Britney now. Just cast off, get rid of the old, ill-fitting outfits. Okay, that's the point. He says, not in strife and envy. Christian says that old suit, that strife, envy. Maybe when you were in darkness, fighting, rivalry, jealousy, arguing about everything, gossiping, being critical in spirit, maybe all of those things suited you well. But no longer Christian. So all that stuff looks terrible on the transformer. 
says, get rid of all of that old, ill-fitting stuff. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hopefully this will be encouraging to you. This is, is really great. He says, look, not only, and this is really important, not only is the transformed life summed up by loving your neighbor, he says, not only does, does Paul encourage us to wake up and to cast off, but this is really critical, we must put on. Not just casting off the old junk, but putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is important. Think about this. It's not enough to just either take off and not put on. And that's a lot of what religion is. Don't do that. Don't do that. Take away that stuff, right? It's not a, that's not enough to just take off and not put on. Or on the other hand, it's not enough to just put on and refuse to take off. To have this nasty old garment and you just covered it up in your Christian ease. I love this. Check this out where it says put on. I discovered this this week and I'm, I'm loving it. Both here and in verse 12, you see both places where it says put on. Listen to what this means. The, the first definition is to sink into clothing or to put on to clothe oneself. Now, if you've been with us, when you hear me say sink into, does that remind you of an illustration that we use for abide? Let me back up for any of you who aren't familiar with that. John 15. Uh, I, just like Paul steals from Jesus, I, I steal from other pastors sometimes. Uh, this pastor out in, in Modesto, California. His name is Damian Kyle. And he has the best definition for abiding that I know of. He says, think of an old easy chair. It's super plush. It's really comfortable. To abide literally means to settle down into. So interesting to me that it says... Take off the old junk and sink into your new clothes, Jesus. Settle down into. Now, I think this helps me again because when I say, wake up, get out of your cocoon. Some of us go, okay, I got to get busy. I got I to do all these things. No, no. It's not transformation by the sweat of your brow. It's transformation by abiding Purposely settling in to Christ. It says, look, cast off, get rid of those old clothes, sink into Christ's wardrobe. I don't know if you ever heard this. Uh, Abe Lincoln once asked a farmer, so would you be so kind as to, to take my coat into town? Well, sure, but how will you get there? Well, that's easy. I intend to be in it. <laughs> So it is with Christ's clothes, right? We sink into His clothes and we go wherever they take us. We do what He wants us to do. We don't worry about trying to please Him. No, He's inside of us. We sink into His clothes and let Him call the shots. We go wherever He wants us to go. Uh, not so much Him doing it for us, though, but doing it through us. He, it's interesting to me that He wants us to take off the old junk and to put on his uh, clothes, if you will, and let him work through us. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The word provision, it's pronoia, and it literally means forethought or providential care, to plan for something ahead of time. As we close tonight, maybe this is your application. 
This very last little phrase, you thought you escaped all application up to this point. Because maybe you say, look, look, I... I have put on Jesus and I'm sinking into his clothes. I I do actually have my quiet time. It seems to be more consistent than ever. Why do I still stumble? Well, maybe the question is, have you completely cut off provision to your flesh? Again, I'm sure I'm using illustrations that you may have heard before, but they're good. So there you go. Heard of the, the, the illustration uh, because Galatians says that the flesh fights against the spirit, the spirit fl- fights against the flesh. Uh, the illustration of both of them being uh, dogs, that, that one dog is fighting against the other dog, and which dog is going to win? The one that you feed. You feed your flesh, I guarantee you, your flesh will win. If instead you feed the spirit and you starve the flesh, then your spirit will win. Here's the interesting part, though. Again, stole this from Damien Kyle. He says, look, interesting thing that I found is that our flesh is a survivalist. My flesh, he says, can live for months on a saltine cracker. (laughs) You don't feed it. You, You do your best to starve it. No provision. And then one day you go, maybe just a little cracker wouldn't hurt. I mean, my flesh won't get out of hand. Before you know it, the flesh comes roaring back into your life. No wonder Jesus says, and he talks in such radical terms, he says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Now, you know he's not saying physically to do these things. There have been men that have actually done these things and they've still found themselves full of lust and envy and every other thing. Now, what he's talking about is radical uh, amputation, if you will. Um, Like, for instance, sell your TV if you need to. Free cycle your computer if you have to. What we're talking about is a radical embargo of the flesh. Refusing to make provision to plan ahead for putting off the works of darkness and just sinking into the armor of light, abiding in Jesus. So I don't know each one of our situations, but if you're continuing to fail and you're like, look, my quiet time's been really consistent now for a couple of months and I'm still falling. Is there anything you haven't been willing to cast off? Maybe that's what it is. You've still got a, a provision, a supply line to your flesh. Let's close tonight just by reviewing Paul's orders to the transforming Christian. And again, he is not saying, do these things so God will like you. He says, no, because God has sent his only begotten son to die for you because you're justified, because you're clean before him, because he cares about all of the people around you. Do this, verse 8. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, Christian, 
knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the saints that you brought here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the transforming power that not only you have, Lord, but your word has. Thank you, Lord, that even if I have uh, not done it perfectly, Lord, that you are able to take your word just as it stands and minister to each one. Lord, you know those of us who uh, you want that the, our first application would be to, to be winsome, Lord, uh, to love one another, to, to pay our debts, Lord. You know those of us, Lord, who have fallen into a, a, a sleep, not really believing that you could come tonight. Lord, you know uh, those of us who have a, a supply line for the flesh, You know each situation. You know every heart. I ask, Lord, that you'd help us tonight to to use the time that you've given to us wisely, Lord, that we would minister uh, to one another, or that you would minister to us, that we would be real and open and honest with you. I thank you, Lord, uh, over and over again. You seem to indicate that um, you do the supernatural, Lord. If we'll just do the natural, Lord, for for us tonight, that might mean confessing or asking for prayer. or committing, Lord, to uh, cutting off a supply line. Whatever it is, I ask, Lord, that you'd, you'd do it, Lord. What we desire, as we've stated, we want revival. Lord, it uh, seems to me you're showing us our part in it. Lord, each one individually, what we might do so that we would not hinder the revival that you desire in our lives, in this community. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.